This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and co-host of Locked on NBA Thursdays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Sincerely appreciate it, whether you listen on the way into work, whether you listen on your lunch break, whether you listen at the gym during work in the shower, wherever you listen to the show. We thank you for making it your first listen of the day. A lot to get to in this one. Unfortunately, one of the worst losses of the Rockets season, a 136-102 wire-to-wire blowout against the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that was struggling to stay above 500. They are now 7-7 and on the season. And... There were still some positives that I've got that I can take away from this game. Still no lineup change for the Houston Rockets. We'll get into that in just a moment. But today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. Now, where I want, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Green and and his aggressiveness level. I want to highlight some of the moments from this game from Jay Sean Tate. Alperin Shingoon, the defensive struggles, uh, struggles of Daniel Tice. Uh, we got Garrison Matthews minutes um, in this game, uh, you know, and then kind of wrapping things up, you know, some thoughts on the garbage time minutes. But where I want to go first is talking about Jalen Green. Now, this was a game where Jalen Green, by the, you know, when it was all said and done, Jalen Green's numbers in this game actually looked respectable. He had a decent stretch there in that second quarter where he was looking really solid, was attacking well, finished the night 15 points on 6 of 13 shooting, 2 of 6 from behind the arc, 1 of 2 at the charity stripe, had two rebounds, had an assist, had a steal, had a few turnovers. All in all, not a bad night at the office from Jalen Green, slightly better shooting percentages, better efficiency than what we've kind of been seeing out of him as of late. Now, it's worth mentioning that Kevin Porter Jr. did leave this game early, re-aggravating uh, a, what was it, the left thigh contusion, the same thing that, uh, you know, he he hurt previously. So hopefully nothing serious there. We did ask Steven Silas post-game. There was no update, unfortunately. We just know it's the same injury as before. But back on the Jalen Green thing, and it, I, I wanted to highlight KPJ quickly because the point that I have about KPJ and playing aggressively kind of ties into KPJ a little bit too. But I think that when we've seen Jalen Green at his best, it's been when he's been attacking, right? And unfortunately for Jalen Green, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to attack, be it, you know, if he just doesn't have the ball in his hands or depending on how opposing defenses are scheming, if they're packing the paint like they were against the Phoenix Suns, or then they he has no space to drive and it becomes frustrating. He can't finish inside. Not only that, 
Uh, I'll get into it a little bit later when I talk about Daniel Tice and some of his struggles, but using Tice as the primary role man causes issues with the spacing where he doesn't get, you know, an advantageous pick and roll, you know, scenario, all these different things. But coming in, I, I I thought that the biggest issue for Jalen Green was going to be his playmaking coming in. I thought that was going to be the, the area of his game that was going to be the least polished, going to need the most amount of work. And surprisingly, right, he's actually come in and, and shown an ability to create for, for others uh, at a pretty high clip, right, when the Rockets' offense is actually kind of humming along, which is few and far between. It's kind of infrequent at this point. But that said, I think I have an area where you know, I have a, a newfound understanding of, of Jalen Green the more that I've watched him play. And I truly think that the area that's going to unlock more of his game and make life easier for him is bettering his handle, right? Tightening his handle a little bit. And it, it would be a cop out, right? Like if I could just pick one element of Jalen Green's game and be like, oh, if I could just like, you know, put the sliders up to 99 on this part of his game, suddenly he'd be, you know, a, a significantly better player. Or his life would be way easier right now on the basketball court. Yeah, I could say that for his shooting, right? I could suddenly make him, you know, Clay Thompson-esque and give him a, a 40% three-point shot. And that would that would alleviate a lot of issues for this Rockets offense. Absolutely. That's kind of cheating. I'm not lo- I'm not talking about his like shooting numbers. I'm talking about the actual the other aspects of his game, but back to the handle. You know, he's he's got a he's a little fast and loose with his handle. He's so explosive, so athletic that even though he has the ability to kind of, you know, just zoom by almost anybody in this league with that lightning quick first step, he doesn't have enough control over his handle to be able to have moves and counter moves. And, you know, kind of being able to attack multiple defenders on a single possession, it feels like at times. Now, he can do it sometimes, but his handle's not to the point where he can do it consistently. And there was a moment in this Grizzlies game where he had a play, and this was kind of, you know, the thing, I I highlighted this on, on Twitter, but he had this moment where he was attacking the defender, you know, was driving one direction, pulled it back out momentarily, hit the defender with a with a really clean crossover, and then got back to his strong arm and drove the ball in. And it was that very quick change of speed and subsequent change of direction that I would love to see more of out of him. And I've highlighted this before, where Jalen has seemingly gotten to a point where he starts his attack, starts to attack the defense and largely he gets kind of walled off because he's just going one direction, right? He's either going left or he's going right. And then he, if he doesn't beat the defender off that initial burst, then he kind of like backpedals it out to the three point line and either goes into like a contested, you know, a contested perimeter shot, or he kicks the ball back out and kind of just resets the entire play or they, they go back into another dribble handoff set or something to that effect. Right. If he could get to a point where he's comfortable enough with the handle to consistently be able to make moves like that, or when he has a defender one-on-one in space, then he can break those guys down, and that's going to create opportunities for him at the rim and create opportunities for his teammate as he breaks down the primary defender, gets into the paint, and then has opportunities to kick the ball out to other guys out of the three-point line, that kind of thing. But overall, he he had a good he had a solid game. He had a really solid stint there in that second quarter where he what, scored, yeah, scored eight of his 15 points in the second quarter, shot three of five from the floor, one of two from the three point arc, had the, the, uh, I believe the and one 
three-point opportunity was in that quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And then there was another three in that quarter that literally like rimmed just in and out. Like it, it was down and out and then back down again and then popped out. It was, should have gone in. Um, and so overall, a, a solid quarter from, from Jalen Green. And we got the first ever alley-oop between Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green in transition. And it was kind of disappointing because couldn't even get hype about it because they were trailing the Grizzlies so much, which was kind of disappointing. But just wanted to highlight those those elements from Jalen Green's game, kind of something that I think is going to be really important for him to work on moving forward, which will unlock more of his game, right? When he adds more muscle to his frame, sure, he's going to be able to bully ball past other players. He's got a nice 6'6 frame to work with. He's got size. He's got the athleticism. He's going to be a menace once he gets you know, more so of an NBA body. But until then, while he's still working with kind of the wiry frame, he needs to be able to utilize his speed, his change of direction, uh, his athleticism better than I think he has to this point, at least. So coming up, I do want to talk about some of the other uh, highlights and details from this game, specifically some moments from Jay Sean Tate, Alperin Shingun and his insane passing, um, all that good stuff. Uh, as well as some of the struggles that we saw in this one. Uh, Daniel Tice, unfortunately, that kind of stuff. We'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Theragun. Because look, don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day, tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of your pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out and injury or just the stresses right of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Continuing thoughts from this Rockets just blowout bludgeoning all the different adjectives by the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, God, it's, I mean, it started out early. So many, you know, early turnovers, just killing them again in this one. Memphis jumps out to a 33 20 lead after the first frame and the Rockets kind of kept pace with them in the second quarter. But my problem is, is, you know, how much of, you know, when we see these stretches where the Rockets are, seemingly playing some like solid at least solid offensive basketball because the defense in this game was definitely atrocious not getting back in transition it was like a comedy of errors at one point with how like they would get like a they would get like the pro a proper stop and then immediately like cough it back up like on the subsequent possession trying to throw like ridiculous like outlet passes and things of that nature just sloppy overall play but i don't know how much to attribute right you know the the the, the Grizzlies won the second quarter 41 to 36. The Rockets put up 36 points. How much of that is just because the Grizzlies are safely like, you know, double digit lead ahead. So they're kind of taking the foot off the gas pedal, right? You don't know is the problem because they definitely weren't like, they, it wasn't, you know, wire to wire intensity. The Grizzlies looked like they were just, you know, out there smiling, having a good time. They didn't look pressed at any point 
in this game by the Houston Rockets. John Morant looked like he was having the time of his life life toying with the Rockets bigs, Daniel Tice, Christian Wood, whenever he got them on switches. Ja had, you know, I guess a quiet night for Ja, but, you know, led the way 22 points, 9 of 15 shooting, 4 of 6 from the three-point line, 6 boards, 6 assists, basically getting whatever he wanted. Um, You know, there were, there was a, a play where he kind of hit the deck a little hard, uh, you know, on a no call and then got the, got the pass. Cause he didn't even make it back down the defensive side of the court. Rockets turned the ball over or missed their shot. And like Steven Adams just outletted the outlet of the pass to, to John Moran. Jaw was literally like under the basket and didn't even like go up with the layup, even though he probably could have, I think he was still kind of like, disgruntled of the fact that he didn't get the, the call or what have you kicked it out to the three point. Like he spent like two possessions in a row, just kind of walking around like the offensive side of the court. It was a very weird sequence from Ja, but you know, hopefully he's okay. He's one of my favorite players to watch in this, in this league. Um, that's not a Houston rocket, but, uh, some of the other points from this game, uh, I'll start with the bad, <laughs> just get it out of the way with Daniel Tice. And, you know, here's the problem is, it's kind of one thing to be able to say, oh, okay, the, the turnovers are because, you know, we're a young, inexperienced team, right? Sure, that's agreeable. I think most people would would say, yeah, that's that makes sense. And there's a team that wants to play fast. They're one of the top three paced teams in the NBA, I think, still not number, maybe not number one anymore. Um, actually, they might still be number one. They're, they're somewhere in the top three for sure. They play fast, right? And so playing fast leads to turnovers, naturally, absolutely. But you shouldn't be seeing like sloppy, you know, turnovers out of your veterans. Like if you're going to blame some of the turnovers on the youth, then that's one thing. But Daniel Tice walked out of this one with five turnovers, right? That's kind of brutal for, for Daniel Tice. Um, And it's, it's frustrating watching Tice operate in the pick and roll. And, you know, we've harped on the spacing and all these different issues. And ultimately the lineup change that's going to resolve a lot of issues for this Rockets team is putting Alper and Shingun in the starting lineup in place of Daniel Tice, which knock on wood, we can only hope happens ahead of the uh, Rockets OKC game Wednesday. But Tice in the pick and roll just doesn't create any gravity, right? He's not a threat to rim run. He's not a pick and pop threat. And, I understand some of the frustrations from Steven Silas and company and and the other players because they're following the game plan, which is to generate like wide open three point shots for Christian Wood, for Daniel Tice. Like the offense is engineered to at times generate those three point shots. It's just unfortunate that Daniel Tice isn't a more consistent three point threat. Um, or that he can't hit them on on largely more volume. Now, he was 2-4 in this game, sure, but Daniel Tice hasn't been the best three-point shooter as a Houston Rocket or the best three-point shooter across his career, right? And we're not seeing – there's too many times where I see him operating in the pick and roll. He sets the screen, and there's nothing immediately happening, right? Because the big – uh, the opposing big is just going to drop all the way down into the paint, which is causing issues for the guard. Daniel Tice has nowhere to roll towards the rim. And if he does pick and pop, then it means, you know, we're getting what 10 Daniel Tice three attempts per game, which is not, I don't think is a good metric for uh, an NBA level offense. So 
There's a lot of issues involved there. Um, and you hate to see the turnovers out of out of a vet like Tice. Um, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be happening. It's one thing to see the turnovers out of KPJ or Jalen Green as they're handling the basketball, learning their way, getting acclimated to the NBA. You don't want to see five turnovers out of Daniel Tice. Um, I do want to highlight uh, Alperin Shingun, who had just a pair of the wildest passes, and he, he throws some of the craziest passes, and yet they work. Like it, it's, it sucks taking like these really like, you know, future hall of fame, all time, great players like a Nikola Jokic and comping them to a rookie like Alperin Shingun. Cause I feel like it's an un, you know, an unfair amount of pressure on a player like that. But I, I can't think of another way to comp the way that he passes the basketball, the creativity in some of his passes. He had that one dead ball pass that didn't, you know, unfortunately didn't count or wouldn't have counted anyways, but um, he, you know, had the ball at the top of the key, drove it in on three defenders and managed to, you know, th- three Grizzlies defenders all collapsed on him and he threw the ball behind his head, like over the shoulder to KJ Martin, basically on the dot in the corner, no look pass. And, and they call a foul on the play. So KJ kind of half-heartedly chucked the shot up there. You know, maybe it would have gone in had they not blown the whistle. But that pass, you know, even though it was a dead ball scenario, was absurd. And then there was another play a few possessions later where Alper and Shingun had the ball on the low block, picked up his dribble, drew two defenders to him, had nowhere to go, kind of up faked once, saw KJ Martin cutting in to the paint and then pump faked again and then just dished the ball right over the top of two defenders to hit KJ for the easy two at the rim. The offense just flows better with Shingun. And an important takeaway here is even though Shingun's not a volume three-point shooter, his percentage looks great right now, but he's only shot it, what, 13, 14 times so far. Um, it remains to be seen whether he can do that on substantial volume and, and you know shoot north of 40 on, on increased volume. But he still provides spacing and fixes things, issues with the Rockets offense because he's a threat to do things with the basketball other than just go straight back into a dribble handoff set. So even though he and Daniel Tice might necessarily not be viewed as like shooters, you know, or stretch bigs in that sense, he unlocks a lot more things offensively for the Rockets with his passing, with his, with his ability to drive the basketball possessions that, you know, end with, or that involve Alper and Shingun tend to end in either him driving it in and scoring a bucket, driving it in and getting a foul or creating a shot, a quality shot opportunity for one of his teammates. One of those three things. Now there have been some turnovers here and there, but that's to be expected. He's still learning how to adjust to the game, but Shingun is again, he continues to stand out. And, you know, when we get the official nod that he has taken over the starting role for the Houston Rockets, that's going to be a very, very exciting day because again, he just makes this offense hum. Things just look better. And then defensively, he's either on par, if not at times a little bit better than Daniel Tice defensively. So it can't exactly get much worse. Um, And they need to figure out their offense. I got one more here uh, for Jay Sean Tate before I jump into our final segment. Uh, Jay Sean Tate's cutting ability continues to impress me. And, And he had, you know, arguably, I think you could, I mean, you make it, maybe make it a toss up between Jalen Green and Jay Sean Tate for who had the better game in this one. Who's the, we'll go with who's the locked on Rockets player of the game in this one. Is it Jalen Green or Jay Sean Tate? 
Uh, Tate, 14 points, 6 of 11 shooting. Missed his only three-point opportunity, but had nine rebounds, had a steal, only one turnover. Controls the game really well, crashes the glass really hard. Five offensive rebounds in this game, right? You know, And this is against a team that has Steven Adams anchoring the paint for them. Uh, Jay Sean's just, he's a tireless worker, right? He does the dirty work for this team. He does the, you know, the, the, the thankless jobs and he is the ultimate glue guy. Like Jay Sean Tate would be a league wide favorite play. He's already like received like, you know, attention, like kind of league wide, but it's obviously quieter now because the Rockets are struggling again. It was kind of quiet last season, but he got the all rookie first team nod. Absolutely well-deserved, all that good stuff. He would be one of the NBA's like favorite role players if he played on a team that was like a top four like playoff team in either of the respective conferences because he's just that type of player, right? And, you know, I continue to be impressed by the work that he puts in on a nightly basis. He's the quiet one, right, of the starting lineup because there's no, there's no, focus on him at times and I wish that there would be I do like the fact that Jay Sean Tate was having a really strong first half and they immediately out of the first out of the halftime break ran a play for Jay Sean Tate uh out of the low post and they immediately created a three-point shot for Jalen Green like that was a strong start to the first half for the Rockets they they got Jay Sean Tate on the low block they got him posting up looking over his shoulder started backing down his defender the help defense came and they moved, they swung the ball around the perimeter and they created a look for Jalen Green. Those are the types of things that I wish we could see more of rather than just the consistent dribble handoff sets on the perimeter, right? Be a little creative with how they find and create shots for their teammates for each other. But coming up, want to hit final thoughts from this game and we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Because look, you got so many different makes and models of cars these days. It's basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. And you can save time and money. Same time, money. Don't put you know, all that with rockauto.com. Why choose to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Look, here's a quick one for you, right? Honestly, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 from rockauto.com. Best of all, rockauto.com, it's a family business, right? They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer. They don't price gouge you, right? If you're a DIY person, they don't do that to you, right? They have everything that you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even brand new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website, their catalog. It's so remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly find the brands and specifications that you need for your car or truck. And once you load up your shopping cart, you click the little shopping cart icon, be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. And another message from our friends over at Bet Online because Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head over to their new updated website and use promo code Locked On for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit. They got you for basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the twenty twenty one season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball with host Josh Lloyd. I love Josh. I know you will too. If you care about fantasy hoops, you've got to check out Josh's show. Go listen to Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Now, final thoughts from this game I didn't get to it in the in the second segment, just kind of talking about the, the flow of the game. I mentioned the defense a little bit, and that's been a big issue is, you know, and we're seeing it now, you know, 12 losses in a row. It's rough. We're seeing some bad body language from this team, right? And that's one of the issues. That's why I, I harped on it last episode, talking about, it, you know, these these guys are human beings, right? And it's not in their nature to go out and lose games. Jay Sean Tate said post game, he was like, we're not going out here trying to lose games. We're fighting every night. We want to win these games. We're trying, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but they don't want to be losing these games. They just don't, right? If they could flip the script and be one of the best teams in the NBA right now, they would. They're just struggling. You know, they're, they're, they're up against so many different variables, so many different issues. And it's like little micro issues here and there, right? little spacing issues, the turnovers, the free throws, right? A few things break differently, and this team could easily have racked up, you know, four or five, maybe six wins by now, but they just haven't, right? They've been on the cusp so many times, and it cannot be overstated how aggressive this opening part of the schedule has been, right? You know, they had the OKC game and the Pistons games, and those two games were basically the only two games that they were, like, favored or, like, supposed to win, right? Where you could legitimately look at the competition and be like, oh, yeah, they should have this one, right? Past that, like they've played all legitimate playoff teams, like upper echelon level components. That doesn't mean we can't still be critical about what we're seeing. That doesn't mean we can't still harp on them for things and want to see improvement and development. Absolutely, right? But it's been a brutal start to the schedule. And it does get easier a little bit moving forward. And it starts with OKC Wednesday, which I'm excited for, you know, to play against the team that the Rockets have their one collective win against so hopefully maybe they can make it to come Wednesday night but um you know the body language has been rough KPJ before leaving this game had multiple blown layups um and he's been one of the he, he and Christian Wood have been two of the largest culprits of not getting back in transition right and even Jalen Green at times doesn't do the a good enough job of picking up his man in transition getting lost on defense uh, but KPJ especially has this knack of like, he misses a layup and then, you know, immediately like reacts emotionally to it. Like, you know, just, ah, oh, just whatever, you know, and, he, and he's not hustling back after the miss. And if you miss a layup under the rim and you're full speed and you're like suddenly next to the stanchion, right. And, and the other team's flying back the other way, you've got to make an effort to get back because otherwise your team's playing four on five defense, Right. So I will say that KPJ's overall, like his defense when he's actually there, like especially like in the half court and stuff, he's been great. He's improved so much in that aspect of his game. I want to give him his props for that because his like one-on-one man-to-man defense has been superb so far this season. He's taken on some really tough defensive assignments. He's learning how to utilize his 6'6 frame, his length to his advantage as a defender. He's moving his feet really well. I just wish that, you know, and again, it's a mental component, right? Just like the free throw shooting, just like some of the the careless turnovers, it's a mental component and a lack of discipline at times for this team where he's just not doing a good enough job getting back in transition. Christian Wood, same deal. He complains for foul calls all the time, right? Drives the ball in, goes up, thinks he got hit, and he takes a second to like, look for the ref and he's like, ah, oh, my arm got, you know, and it's like, no, dude, just get back, just get back and play defense, man. Because they, they did 
it was kind of embarrassing, I'll be honest, in this game about how little this team looked like they cared uh, for stretches of this game. And that's that's what will happen when you're on an 11 game losing streak and then a team goes up 20, you know, early in the second quarter. You just look lifeless out there on the basketball court. Um, a guy that did not <laughs> look lifeless um, out there on the basketball court, Garrison Matthews, who got some minutes uh, in this game. No Eric Gordon in this one. Uh, KPJ leaving early. Garrison Matthews getting a bit of a nod, you know, getting some opportunity, some burn in this game, making the most of his minutes uh, with the Houston Rockets. So got recalled from the, uh, you know, from the on assignment, you know, G League. And, uh, Played 15 minutes, two of four shooting, seven points, uh, hit a three-pointer, had a really good cut for an easy two at the rim. Uh, so I put him on that list alongside Jay Sean Tate because it feels like Jay Sean Tate is the only player who knows how to time his cuts properly on this team. And so I now nominate and put Garrison Matthews on that list as well because of that one strongly placed cut. Um, that said, you know, it was it was nice to see Garrison Matthews get a bit of a chance in this game. Uh, but my my Biggest question mark coming out of this one. And obviously like the lineup change is the thing we're all kind of waiting for. Me too, me included. You know, I just want to see it happen. I, I do respect Steven Silas's opinion to not do it on the second night of a back-to-back, especially a night where he's not, he also wasn't going to have Eric Gordon uh, sitting out with a little bit of right groin tightness. Um, you know, he, you know, I think we'll see the lineup change Wednesday. Uh, you know, it, it's now 12 losses in a row. You got to get something going different. That said, I respect the decision not to do it on the second night of a back-to-back when the team's, you know, already frustrated from the, the loss the night before. You have zero practice time to get any potential reps in with a new start, a new set of starters. Um, and I know that a lot of people are just going to be like, well, what what's there to lose, right? You already lost 11 games in a row. Just make the switch. I think maybe there's, you know, you can make the argument that it would look you know, that it would be kind of a desperation move, that it would look, you know, panicky, you know, oh, well, we just got, you know, we just got torched. We're going to, we're going to switch it up on the second half of back to back and home. maybe this will fix it. Right. You know, I respect his decision to not immediately make an abrupt reactionary decision um, to this, this series of losses, because you do have to give credit to this team. They have looked competitive in in a in, in chunks of these games and for stretches of these games they just they weren't able to put together a full 48 minute contest blame it on youth turnovers free throws all these different variables they weren't able to do that and unfortunately they it just kept you know it kept mounting it kept getting worse and worse and worse and it turns into this really long losing streak which is just painful to see but and I didn't get a chance to ask Steven Silas about this post game I wanted to um it's a little bit harder on the road games with the Zoom situation, Zoom setup. Uh, only only so much time for so many questions. But uh, David Nwaba getting garbage time minutes. Uh, significant garbage time minutes, right? Nwaba didn't see the light of day for majority of the game and then played like 10 minutes stretch of the, you know, a 10 minute stretch at the end of the game. You know, to me, I, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, Jalen Green, Armani Brooks, and, you know, uh, uh, Alperen Shingun, any one of them like should have been out there. I, I think that they should have been out there, but I actually don't know. Like I genuinely don't, like are the garbage time minutes conducive to learning. And I'm, so I'm curious to, to find out what Steven Silas thinks about those minutes, because it's very possible that he believes that those minutes, even though it's still against NBA level competition, because it's against guys like, you know, straight up third stringers and the 
flow of the game is all disjointed and it's kind of sloppy at the end there. Maybe it's not worth it for those guys to be out there getting reps against those guys, right? Because you're not getting actual like structured dynamic play calling or you're not getting it. You're not actually following the, the usual game plan, what have you, right? All these different variables. You're not playing with the guys that you're normally playing minutes with. So the uh, different, you know, different tools on the floor, the, the guys that you're working with are, are, different they they don't they don't complement you the same all these different variables right i'm interested to see what steven silas is thinking is on that dynamic because you know may, maybe he does look for certain things out of those closing lineups um even in garbage time you know trying to maybe he wanted to see what david wobble looked like with a specific other group of those young guys i don't know wanted to find out didn't get a chance to but that was definitely a little bit uh, odd to me to see, to not see just a, a floor full of the young guys and to see a veteran out there. Maybe he just wants to have a veteran out there with all the other young guys that are running and gunning out there. So with that, those are final thoughts from this game overall. Um, 12 losses in a row. It's it's tough to stomach. I, uh, I even for a little bit, uh, after the loss, uh, I, I threw the bag on my head on on Twitter because it was, you know, I, I it was maybe a little bit a little bit reactionary. I'll have to save the bag for a special occasion. If we get closer to the to a twenty game losing streak like last season, maybe I'll break out the bag and put it back over my head on social. Maybe I'll get a bag for the show and just do it with you know over my head. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. We'll play around with it. But that's going to be it for today's show. As always, appreciate you checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. Please check out the brand new YouTube channel. I want to drop a quick shout out. We just broke 3,000 subscribers for the show on YouTube. This has been a weird dynamic trying to get used to making it a both a podcast and then also you know now it being a really... Uh, I guess, popular YouTube channel. But if you listen to the show in any capacity, whether you listen once a month, whether you listen twice a month, whether you listen all five days out of the week, um, I sincerely appreciate it. I do this show because I am born and raised a passionate Rockets fan and then, you know, went to school for journalism. So I've got like the weird mix of backgrounds where I, I, cover the team, but I'm also a fan of the team. So I ride through the ups and the downs with you, the fan. Um, I'm here. I'm frustrated by the losses. I'm confused at why certain things aren't happening. And I have the unique perspective of being able to ask questions about what's going on. Right. And it's, you know, I try to do my best to cover this team and provide insight and analysis and opinions. And if you're, you know, if you've listened to the show in any capacity for whether it's been a week, a month, whether it's been years, if you were listening during the original OG Ben Dubo's Podfather days and stuck with me through that transition, I sincerely appreciate it. It means the world to me. All the support this show has received from thousands of people over the years um, that I've done it. It's been, it's truly one of the, you know, best things that I get to do in my life. So with that, I just want to say thank you for the 3000. Here's to the next 3000. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.